Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. Yes. Yes. Yay. Ow. Ow. Okay. Today, I am Greg Tito, just for today. But today, I also have Kate Welch with us. Yeah, you do. How's it going? It's going so good. We also have Lil John in the background (laughs) back there. What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Thanks. That's Ryan. That's Uh, Ryan. We don't have a Pelham. No. So I don't know what I'm going to do. And no Shelly. And no Shelly because she had to have a birthday. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, every year she takes this every day off. Every year? Like, what is your deal? Every year? I know. She's turning 27 and we're very happy for her. She's all grows up. She's all grows up. And, it's it's uh, amazing. And I, I think that that means that, yeah, Kesha's about 17 now. That's right. And she's been, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, working here since she was seven. Uh, oh, yeah. She's 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. 20 That's years true. veteran. She's, she's 20, 20 years, 21 years. 20, yeah, it's long. She's, long time. I, she has uh, she's gone the, the long haul here. And she's, I think she's worked in like every department too, That's right? That's true. Yeah. Right, yeah. And From now, production to uh, making the magic cards. She's doing partnerships now, I think, for Dungeons and Dragons. Is that right? Because she keeps asking me some like very exciting questions about different businesses that she wants to partner with. Ooh, so I, I won't like say all that. Anything about that? But um, yeah, she's she's got some cool shit in the fire. And uh, uh, she's been you know leading the charge and getting everybody excited for uh, Monster Madness. Yeah, the Dungeon Mayhem uh, expansion slash gift box Ooh. organization stuff. We've got six monster decks. Uh, that you can play from. They all look awesome. The artwork is fantastic, and I can't wait. Uh, unfortunately, we have to wait a little bit longer than at first. We were going to have the release date on February 14th. Valentine's Day would have been a perfect thing Very to romantic. do with your with your significant other. <laughs> Let's throw down with some uh, beholders and some hoots magoots. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, but unfortunately... Some production issues got in the way, and uh, uh, 28th, February 28th is when you're going to be able to get okay. that. And uh, A, two questions. Yes. Hoots Magoots, is that your term for an owlbear? It is the actual character name for Hoots the owlbear. Hoots is the owlbear? Yes. Shut up. Yes. I love her so much. Isn't that so good? There's Blorb, uh, the gelatinous cube. It's very cute. You just want to give him a hug Blorb. and then get sucked into his cube-like nature. His acid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my other question is, do you know what day February 29th is? Because this is a leap year. Uh, it is Chris Perkins' birthday. It's Chris Perkins' birthday on I February know. 29th. He's turning 14. That's uh, 14 <laughs> yeah. years. 14 years on this incredible planet that yeah. was Chris Perkins' Um but yeah, he's a he's a leap baby. For those of you who didn't know, born on February 29th. Yeah. Uh, I can't do math. So. But I think that's why he's so weird, right? <laughs> like that's got to be it. Oh yeah, yeah. He was born under the right sign. Yeah, there, there was a meteor straight, you know, going through the air. Comets. Feel, there's a. It's possible that that is true, but it's also possible that if you're born on leap day. You like that fundamentally changes your life experience. Mm. You, you, I assume you celebrate your birthday on a day that isn't your birthday. Yeah. And then when you do get a birthday, it's every four years and you can pretend that you've only aged one, which is exactly what he does. Right. Um, but it's, it is tremendously, it's got to be a weird experience, right? I think he travels to like different planes uh, on the non leap year day to celebrate his birthday. I think I would. Right. I'd just like go, go, uh, what if, what if you could just teleport to another, 
universe where they have like a, a leap day going on that year instead. It's like, right. oh, on, on the 20, 2015s and the 2019s, I go to this dimension where they have my birthday. Or I'll just, I'll just go to the astral plane because what is time there? Sure. Who knows? Yeah. It's always my birthday and not my birthday. Yeah, it goes to the astral astral plane to celebrate being a non-corporeal entity <laughs> um, that is an innumerable age. I love all of our chronomancy that we're practicing <laughs> right here. <laughs> oh, I love Chris Perkins. Uh, I do too. He's been working on an amazing book uh, that's coming out with uh, the help of Matthew Mercer and a some little bit of help from Matt Mercer. Yeah, freelancers yeah. out there. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Mm-hmm. I've been practicing not saying Wildemount. Yes, uh, it looks like Wildemount. He looks like you want to do a wildebeest type yeah. uh, type of pronunciation yeah. there. Is it like a sigil sigil thing where the office is split on it, or does everybody say Wild Mount? No, I mean, well, because it's this it's, is Matt. That's canonical. Ma- canonical. Ca- canonical. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I say canonical from now on. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's canon. canon. No, uh, Mr. Mercer has, has always said it as Wild Mount, and uh, okay. so it's just about training your brain to say it Got the it. right way, Got it. Uh, where yeah. you read it and you think it's one way. And Wild Mount. Wild yeah. Mount. Uh, but of course, it goes into everything that's happening on the content of Wild Mount in the world of Exandria. Uh, we've done a few Lord You Should Knows on that from Chris Perkins's point of view yeah. on, on uh, the the gods uh, and the deities of that world and how they're like extensions of um, uh, some of you know D and D gods you might know and, and reinterpretations of some of them. And I think that's that's super fun. And it's basically uh, what I keep saying to people. It's like you know uh, taking the homebrew world that you might play in your own table and uh, showing how to um, uh, improvise off of what it comes out of. Uh, the D&D office what comes out of other things and just amalgamating and making your own and that Mercer's world is like that you know writ large that's really cool Um, have we ever had Matt Mercer on Dragon Plus? Uh, yes, we've had him on uh, uh, a long time ago, actually, yeah. back in like 2015, and then I think we've he's, we've done a few interviews with him. Uh, yeah, maybe it's time. Yeah, no, dude, we're getting him back we'll, on we'll very soon. But we ha- we have an equally, if not even cooler guest today. That's correct. Morgan Webb Morgan is joining Webb. us. We are going to be talking to her about joining Acquisitions Incorporated, another uh, you know amalgamation of worlds coming cool. together to make its own thing. Yeah, uh, I loved how the Acquisitions Incorporated book last year <gasps> took all of that fun stuff that so was fun. being put together. Uh, you know, Morgan's character, uh, or know. Morgan's character Morgan is statted up in there. Hell Rosie yeah. Beestinger is statted up in there. Sure is. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of amazing to have. Yeah. You have a, a, a specific good context to speak to her about. about what I that know. Means. I know. I have chills just thinking about. I love Acquisitions Inc. Um, but I, she and I, unless I'm misremembering, she and I have never had a chance to play at the table together right. uh, thus far. But I hope that that changes because I have I have mad respect for her. I really really like Morgan. I've I've had I've had the chance to just chat with her about stuff over dinner before, and she's super smart. She's such a baller, um, and she she comes to the table like. Really prepared. She nice. really takes Dungeons and Dragons seriously, and you gotta respect the hustle. Yeah, I love, I love Morgan. Absolutely, and I, uh, I think there's a question we need to ask because it came up on uh, when I when I put this question to Twitter, Ooh. being like, "What should we ask Morgan? Uh, when is she gonna step up and take out Omen?" <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, I think you and her might have some plotting to do during yeah, this interview. Yeah, Rosie, there's a lot of omens, so that's one question: is which omen? Which omen? That's my question for Twitter. Which right. omen do you want? Because we've already killed one or tried to. I think we just maimed him. Um, but there's like seven, seven of them. All the six of them have put the seventh, I think, in some kind of weird prison oh. where he's trying he's trying to communicate out of. But uh, the other six are just a cabal of omens at this point. 
anyway, all that's spoilers. Spoilers. For Acquisitions, Inc. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, so hopefully the, the uh, statute of limitations is lifted on that. <laughs> we gotta, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of what, what your plans are, and I like that we're going to be uh, spending our time doing some strategy sessions. Yeah, here. yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think between Rosie and Morgan, we can, Morgan, sorry, we can... Uh, I know you're going. Annihilate all of them. That's the fun thing about talking about Dungeons and Dragons and the people making it. It's yeah. like, are there the characters? Are there the people? Yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Every, everybody that I know in Act Inc., everyone is at least a little bit the person that they're playing. Yeah. Um. The, the like Mike Krahulik playing Jim Dark Magic, who is you know fan favorite. Uh, he is. He he has said before that Jim Dark Magic is him. If he had no confidence issues, <laughs> like he's is like is exactly who he would be with with uh, you know no anxieties or whatever. Which some some liquid, liquid courage behind yeah, it. Yeah, a lot a lot of liquid courage behind it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ro- Rosie is you know Rosie's me in a lot of ways, and and uh, everybody at the C team table, we've we all make fun of each other. Like, is it Katris doing this or is it Chris maybe doing this? Right. I think if, I think there's a little bit of both going on. Uh, Chris's character, I mean. He, Basically, it's it's right, it's right it's there in the name, it's right? Literally Come on, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so. like me being like Gr Egg. <laughs> Gr Egg. Gr Egg is is my is my D and D character be a, name. A dragonborn. I'm going to do random character generator for you right now. <laughs> nice. Gr Egg is a, a dragonborn character who was named because the moment that he hatched out of his egg, he started growling at his mother. Gr says like, "Ooh, Gr Egg." <laughs> You like it? Yeah, that's. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's strong enough to build an entire character around. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, and all of his stats are real bad. That's all I know. Oh no, oh. he's got very high charisma. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'll squander that just like I did in my real life. No, look at you. You're solid. You're built charisma. Your career is built out of charisma. Oh. You are very charismatic. Greg Tito, you will not speak poorly of yourself on this live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I know Shelly wouldn't permit it either. She so. would. She would lift me up. Yep. I know it. I know it. Uh, and you're, yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. I also am really excited about, uh, you know, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Yes. We got uh, uh, the Dragon... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Dungeon Mayhem, yeah. Monster Madness. Monster I always get that mixed up, so I wanted yeah. to really think about it before I said that out there. Uh, but we also have Explorers, uh, Laryl Silverhand's Explorers Kit, Whoa, which is, is a dice product, oh. also coming out on March 17th alongside, even though they're not really related, and it also has Explorer in the name, the uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Okay. Uh, but Laryl Silverhand's uh, is is uh, taking a cue from the Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus dice set. Oh, which was uh, so good. Yeah, so it's the same form factor, <gasps> Same, with the trays inside with the trays, too, oh. but they're all blue and oh. gold, and they have like uh, a lore in it that is uh, specific to uh, Waterdeep and its right. environs, but also some Sword Coast and Forgotten Realms lore within it. Very so, cool. Really excited about the Ooh. dice themselves are are this iridescent blue, <gasps> uh, which are fantastic. Oh my gosh, this sounds really cool. And this isn't tied to a, an adventure release or anything. This is just sort of agnostic. No, yeah, it was designed, I think, as a as a as a way to get some evergreen uh, uh, dice set out gotcha. there. So it doesn't gotcha. have to be tied to any specific uh, type of thing, and you can increase your uh, knowledge, but also your dice collection. Smart. Because we know there's a lot of folks out there who what, would like to do that. What kind of can you talk about? What the lore is inside of it? What the other goodies are? Yeah, so they are um, little cards similar to the the demons and devils that were in the uh, Descent to Avernus kit, but right. they uh, detail places and characters. So within li- Waterdeep, within well, yeah, but so but like Candlekeep is one, Baldur's Gate oh, is one. Oh, right, right. Okay, uh, so around the zone. Around okay. The zone, yeah. um, uh, as well as uh, characters like uh, 
uh, Laryl Silverhand, Vajra, the Blackstaff, mm -hmm. Mert, uh, the moneylender, Dernan, the uh, proprietor of the awning portal. Are they statted out? Uh, no, it's it's more just like here's here's oh, something some you more? might provide to your players if they're like who are is this person? I'm like, well, cool. you know this about them because you rolled this on your history check, that type of thing. Uh, the, you might not be the right person to ask, but have we ever started out Dernan? Because he seems really hardcore. I believe we have. Okay, um, but in different incarnations. I see. Because okay. he has uh, been around in various ways. Uh, I think at one point. There, it was the same named character, and there, were, there was the idea that it was actually like Dernan the Sixth. Uh, oh. But then I think we have said that he has been drinking potions of longevity this he's, whole time. He's, so he he's is, the OG guy. He yeah, is the yeah. character who went through some. I mean, he tried to say he, he yeah. was a son of a son of a son, but he actually uh, was the same character who went down into Undermountain and right. in some ways and survived, uh, made Waterdeep the yeah. rich city that it is. Right. Yeah. He loves their adventurers. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's very true. The awning portal is such a great excuse for adventure. Like the if you if you ever need a, a quick muster, yeah. like the yawning portal is where people go to to pick up adventures, dare each other to jump in the hole. You know, like I bet I bet you can't make it to the fifth level alive and come back. You know, prove it. Those kinds of things. Just just rich rich for good role play in the yawning portal. Absolutely, and I can't wait. There's something really exciting about the yawning portal that may be coming this year. Just throwing that out there. It's really, really cool, and you're going to love it. Double portal? Portal within portal? <laughs> it's, 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 it's like a recursive uh, box <laughs> where you're like, oh, my God, we're falling into it, and we can't stop. Um, you're not wrong. Oh. I will say that. You're not wrong. That, that concept is... In a physical product that will be coming out. Okay, I just throwing that out. There. I want to make sh make sure everybody knows I'm I'm actually not on the book team anymore, so I honestly do not know what this is. <laughs> I, I know I'm not teasing anything. Is, I've got no clue. That you're not spoilers and swagging okay. this up right no, now. No, I am not. No, and I am not. I'm doing it. It's gonna be fun. Okay. Yeah, okay, but cool. I I like giving little tidbits because I want people to to get excited. There's there's stuff on the horizon. Cool. That uh, uh, I can't wait. Cool. Yeah. What else is going on with the D and D team? Fill me in, man. Uh, that's all the stuff we are able to talk about. We, of okay. course, making preparations for D&D &D Live 2020, yeah. where we'll get a lot more information about uh, what's coming. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah. that's going to be really exciting. Oh, in the next few months, we'll announce uh, the, the dates and location for that. Okay. So, so stay tuned. Oh, I'm very, very excited. I, I have loved. So I've gotten to go to the last uh, one as an employee, right? And then the last, like, three as a streamer, as yeah. an influencer type person. And they are such a blast. And I'm so glad that we've decided to start selling tickets to them because it is just, it is totally worth coming to. And the swag by itself is amazing. Like we gave out copies of books and, and dice and stuff from the, the Baldur's Gate one from last year. We have such great partners uh, like WizKids, like Wormwood Gaming, mm -hmm. like Beetle and Grimm's, like mm -hmm. Death Saves, and they, they, they really knock it out of the park with the physical items. They do. Especially yeah. designed for the event sometimes, but also like previews about what's to come in their things, like in the uh, uh, Beetle and Grimm's. Uh, vein of things. I love that they are are jumping into making those physical things. So Me we're too. already talking about fun stuff there. As oh well. my gosh! Is there anything you can tell us about? Um, there will be dice <laughs> in the building. Um, wow, uh, Greg! I know, right? I'm really stretching the. <laughs> 
definitions here. It's going to be in a bigger space. I'll tell you that. Oh, thank goodness. One of my goals was to put it in a space that we could really take over and have a blank slate, you know, a, a blank canvas, similar to painting. A uh, beholder. Yes, yes. exactly. Uh, and make it our own. And I think um, that is going to be the best, most exciting part of it. Now, it's going to be, uh, you know, in a different location, a uh, different part of town in uh, most likely the Los Angeles area. Just, um, there's the, they've got the set builders down there, so it makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, all the talent is down there. It all makes yeah. sense. Uh, it's going to be a little bit... Uh, all the talent is down there, Greg? Well, I mean... Wow. The really wow. good talent. Oh, my God. <laughs> you got worse. <laughs> Just digging that hole deeper. Just the good talent is down there. Not all the talent. The, the, well, let's say that the talent that thinks they're really good. Does that count? <laughs> the movie stars are down there. That's yeah, that's sure. what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, so it's it's going to be uh, probably the best, most uh, complete looking event that we've put together so far. Which is, I mean, saying quite a bit because both the Waterdeep and the Baldur's Gate events are with like the the big production like sets, the, yeah. the walking statues and the the city of Waterdeep and being able to play in that space. Uh, it's just it's just beautifully done. So if you're if you're planning to outdo yourself again, man. Um, oh. Good luck. Every year we try to outdo ourselves yeah, and kill, our, kill ourselves doing it. But yep, it'll, yep. It'll you're going to have there. to take over a whole town like Pax West does oh eventually. Next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's on the list. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, this is ridiculous, but can you imagine like taking over a, a block of a town and redoing all the storefronts to mm. like actually look like a like a, a, a little water deep street? I know, and, right? Uh, I, it reminds me of like, um, have you been to Wizarding World yet? Yes, yeah. And walk, no, th- walking those through, theme parks like, are a huge, a huge inspiration for oh. for what we're trying to do. Oh my god! Yeah, because the one in Florida is amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I haven't been to the Wizarding World in LA. I've only been to the one in Florida. But the Diagon Alley, like the way that the architecture like seems like it's looming over you in this fantastical way, and the buildings yeah. are all constructed in ways that don't make any sense, and it feels it just feels like walking in the movie. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a really. We special definitely experience. try to evoke that emotion when you're going and you're walking into D and D live, oh. and you get that you're like, oh, you're in a, new, it happens. In a completely other it, space. Yep, it is very is very successful. The last couple ones. And that the we've last done. two we've done, we've had like two spaces that were connected by mm-hmm. you know not uh, a thematic stuff. Right. Uh, so imagine that all being in one big space. Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be something. So more information on that in Stay tuned. to come, but we're we're busy working on it for oh. sure. So All right. Hey, will you invite me? No, no, you're not, not invited. <laughs> you are going to be a guest of honor. <laughs> Yay! Yay! All right. Uh, we let's move on to our uh, lore. You should know something. I think we got some fun lore. I might have already alluded to, and maybe, uh, yeah. Hello and welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. My name is Greg Tito and today I'm joined by... Adam Lee. Hello, Adam. Hello, Greg. It is good to see you again. Good to see you, sir. Today, where we, in this segment, talk about the fun lore of Dungeons and Dragons Mm. for use in your game, uh, if you're set in the Forgotten Realms and maybe Icewind Dale... Uh, or just for you to know about what's happening in Icewind Dale, uh, this is the segment for you. Yes. Uh, we recently announced at the Game Awards a video game uh, published by Wizards of the Coast and developed by our new friends at Took Ooh. Studios in Montreal, Dark Alliance, oh. uh, which stars four characters you may know from Forgotten Realms novels written by... R.A. Salvatore, I was about mm-hmm. to say Bob, but many yeah. people <laughs> know him as R.A. 
Um, the characters of Justa Orden, Brunor Battlehammer, Wolfgar, and Caddy Bree are yeah. playable in this awesome action RPG. So a little hack and slash for your fun times. But yeah. it is set, as you might be able to tell from this trailer that was uh, uh, shown in December, in Icewind Dale. So uh, around the time of Ari Salvatore's first novel, Crystal Shard. I think it yeah. actually takes place between Crystal Shard and Halfling's Gem, which is the second novel yeah. written by him. Um, so today we're going to talk about Icewind Dale and yeah. what it's all about and uh, uh, what the human and uh, sentient settlements are like there. Yeah. So Icewind Dale, way up in the north. Yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of mashed in by the sea, uh, like the the ragged glaciers coming down on the spine of the world. And um, so the spine of the world is a mountain range yeah. that kind of goes east west. Yeah, goes east west, and then the ragged glaciers kind of going north south, and then right at this like little section, there's Icewind Dale. And how big is Icewind Dale? It is like a valley. right? It's a valley. Yeah, and the thing is, is that unlike our sad world, <laughs> the ragged glacier is expanding. Oh, it's moving into the Icewind Dale. So I did not know that. If it keeps going, Icewind Dale is just going to get right off the map. So, Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, the, it's uh, yeah, the ices are moving. So, so, st- so surface area wise, how big is Icewind Dale? If you could compare it to, oh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say a couple hundred, maybe a couple hundred miles. You know, hundred miles. So, like the size of Washington State. Yeah, kind of. I'd say, yeah, maybe okay. maybe a little bit smaller than that, but but yeah, somewhere in there. I'd have to get my little map out and kind of do the okay. little marks, but that's you know because yeah. I always maybe just thought of it as larger, kind of just because yeah. of open waste. But I think the it's, way I've been reading about it, it actually is smaller than you think. Yeah, it's not a big. It's 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 a little bit more claustrophobic than you know um, than you know I think you know it's like the it's it is like this little gully. Mm-hmm. This little place that uh, it's clinging on to, uh, onto survival. Uh, the further north you go, the definitely the more perilous it is. And um, you know, the whole thing about Icewind Dale is that it is a place where you go where you do not want to be found. Mm. Um, you know, Waterdeep. You know, if you don't want to be found in Waterdeep, you might, you know, scamper on down to Skullport and kind of get lost in there. But you're taking a risk, you know, when you go into a place like that. Um, if you're sort of in Baldur's Gate, you might kind of, you know, sneak off and, you know, head north or go south down into Chult, you know, like get lost in the jungles. But for people who want to get lost, 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 then you go north past everything and you go up into Icewind Dale. So it's north of Luskin. It's north oh, of yeah. every city in the, in the, in the uh, Lord's yeah. Alliance. And you're up there with, uh, you know, you're up there with tundra yetis, uh, white dragons, remoras. Is there a barbarians and barbarians? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, we'll get to them in a segment. Is there? Is there a port? Is there? How, how do you get to Icewind Dale? Um, yeah, you can get there through. Uh, there's, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of the sea, but there is a there's a there's a there's a sea that kind of goes, and it's, of course, it's like, you know, ice bergs are floating in there, and they just crush your ship to. Smithereens, but if you can get through that, then you can land and then march inland, and then you can get to Icewind Dale. Um, and Icewind Dale has uh, a series of three lakes, um, and the lakes are Mare Dwaldon and Loch Dinashir, and there's one lake called Redwaters. So, and Redwaters is named that way because there was a battle there oh. and a long time ago, and of course the the lake's waters 
run red with their blood. And uh, yeah, and Loch Denishir is is known for its, you know, like frigid temperatures. Like if you were to fall into that lake, you know, you'd be instantly, you know, in hypothermia and, uh, and then frozen to death and just sink to the bottom where there are countless corpses. <laughs> um, but all these lakes are known for these, uh, these fish called knucklehead trout. And they are not only delicious and nutritious and large, but they also have this bone. The bones of these things are, they're kind of like ivory. Oh. So they're super useful for tools. They're decorative. You, uh, there's a, a, a massive uh, scrimshaw artistry going on between the tribal people, the, the barbarians, and the local people who, who live there. Um, and that is pretty much the other than trapping and furs and all that stuff and treasure that might be pulled from, you know, lost dwarven mines. There's a big mountain called Kelvin's Cairn and the dwarves have mined underneath that. So there's treasure to be had there. Um, but that stuff is what the knucklehead trout and, you know, whatever they trap in furs and that's all the, what they trade up there. And so So it's it's the one way that. Uh, settlements can exist by yes. having this amount of uh, a food source yep. readily available, as yep. well as it being you know to be able to create tools and building materials from. Yeah, it. and so you know somebody from the outside going in there is seen. Uh, you know, first of all, like it's easy to disappear in Icewind Dale if if you go up to one of the ten towns and Bryn Shander being the main town that you would want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sort of watch your mind your P's and Q's when you go there because they, they'll they take you out pretty fast. Um, take you out meaning like, kill you? Yeah, like kill you. Like um, the, the, the people who live in Britain Shander yeah. will kill you because you're an outsider? Um, well, if you cause trouble. Oh. You know, they just – because resources are very scarce and because the towns are so small, it's like they, they cannot tolerate somebody who is – you know, evil or, or has, you know, there's, you know, wants to cause trouble. So you'll get warned. Um, but then, you know, then it's just taken out into the ice and adios. Um, so it's a tough, they're tough people. Yeah. Um, but because some of them are these, um, people who want to be lost, maybe they've done something wrong. Maybe they were wrongly accused. Um, maybe they're on the run from, you know, an evil, you know, uh, group of villains who are trying to pursue them there are all kinds of people hiding out in the different uh, uh, the 10 towns um so when you know as an adventuring party you go up there you're you're kind of running into this sort of who's who of the flotsam and jetsam of the sword coast yeah so because they they can't you know it's it's sometimes criminals or or anybody that has been uh, wanted in any of those towns they go up to icewind dale to try to disappear and not you know, yeah, be like, found ever again. Like if you took most Isley and you put it in Antarctica, mm. that's kind of what you're running into. There's like, you know, there are there are some you know shady nerdy wells and bounty hunters, and um, but then there's also sort of in in you know people who have lived there for you know you know generations, generations, yeah. So um, and those people will take you around and show you around once they know that you're cool and that you're not there to you know cause any kinds of disturbances but and then most of the people there are just fisher folk you know they they yeah. go out and they they fish for these knucklehead trout and they um and a lot of them are, hunt, are hunters and some of them are barbarians that have actually learned how to 
you know, trade with the, the 10 towns. And so you kind of had this mixture of cultures. Um, so there is a vibrant community that's going on in a, in a, in a mixture of, of people. Um, everybody there is hardy because there's, you know, there are orcs in the area and there are, um, you know, monsters. There's, um, you know, really terrifying monsters and, you know, occasionally a white dragon will kind of fly through. Mm. And, um, but these people, if anybody can handle that kind of a danger, it's, it's the people of, um, Icewind Dale. Are there adventurers that have kind of, you know, taken up residence there? Um, yeah, I mean the the classic ones are the you know Dritzton companions. They they went through there um, and they uh, had many adventures. In well, they towns. actually became companions there. They really. did. That's where yeah. they all first met. And that's, yeah, the crystal shard. So uh, Drist was uh, had a, a few adventures. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the Sojourn yeah. and Homeland uh, mm. uh, novels, but it's basically the preludes of how they ended up in, in Icewood Dale. But it was similar to what you're describing of. Yeah. Of having some negative experiences in the Sword Coast and going up to somewhere where people were more willing to yeah. take your um, uh, worth based on what you do, not necessarily what you look like. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know be- because of the survival factor. I mean, it's funny Richard Wooders, you know, because he's from Canada. I mean, one of the things he always talks about is like, <laughs> you know, up in Canada, you know, you kind of throw away all the like how we're different, all that. He's like because when it gets cold. You're very aware that, like, you know, if anybody's power goes out, you know, or, or if everybody's power goes out, you've all got to, you know, lump together. And Community work together. is very much more important when yep. you have that risk of freezing to death. Yeah. If you don't. Yes. Yes. Or food, you know, like we'll all starve to death. Like, so yeah. there is this sense that if you prove yourself, at, you know, it's like your character and who you are and what your actions are and your deeds are, that is going to be what people look at up here. So, these people in Icewind Dale, um, with a few exceptions, of course, but the mostly the people are going to see you for who you are and how you act. And if you are upstanding and if you're honorable and you pull your weight, um, you are going to be one of the one of the gang. So you're 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 kind of in with the community. And I think on that level, um, it's you know you'll have no end of sort of help if you're an adventuring party and you go there. And you bring, you know, food with you or you bring things of like that kind of value of practical value, then, um, and you, you know, you're generous with it, then I think the, the people there will warm up to you pretty quick. And speaking and, of the peoples there, so there's, there's humans. Yeah. Uh, dwarves, because you mentioned the yep. dwarven mines. Is there like yeah. a clan of dwarves up there? Uh, clan Battlehammer has oh. been known uh, to, to been mining around um, Kelvin's Cairn as far as like, whether if they're still there now, um, maybe I'd, I'll have to figure that out and see where where they've kind of moved to because I know the clan has moved around. But yeah, yeah, they could still be there mining in Kelvin's Cairn, or at least you know uh, uh, descendants yeah. of some might still be there. Yeah, in that area. And um, so, are there elves there? Is there any elven communities, or um, or are they mixed within the ten towns? Yeah, not that I know of. Um, there might be individuals. But yeah, no. yeah. I don't think that's like a real elven stronghold. So, um, but what about halflings and gnomes and things like no, that. No, no. For the most part, it's just like the sort of the thicker, hardier races. Um, and uh, so you mentioned orcs, orcs, and then the barbarian tribes that are that are around um, that follow the elk and the reindeer, and. Uh, and they, uh, you know, some, mo- you know, some if not most of them are, you know, raiders. And so that's kind of part of the game that's played. I'd, 
I feel like that they're not sort of like slaughter everybody and, you know, and destroy, but there have been those in the past where I think there was a, a barbarian leader called Heefstag that tried to take over some of the, the towns of the Ten Towns and, uh, you know, took, you know, try to take over the whole thing. Yeah. And I think he succeeded maybe in taking one or two, but that was it. And then he got booted out by Brunor and, and, and crew. Um, so, the, yeah, so the the way the political setup is that there, there's literally 10 towns. It's yes. called the area of 10 towns, but there are 10 different yeah. settlements, Bryn Shander being kind of the capital, but there's yeah. no actual agreement between the 10 towns as to... No, to who runs who? They all no, independently. They're operate. all independent. They all do their own thing. They all have their own mayors and yeah, and they all have their own sort of like either chief or or mayor leader. Um, and that their main deal is they're just making sure that not one of them hogs all the fishing and you know the trapping and all that. So they, try they kind of work it out. And I I think from time to time. Uh, you know, uh, there'll be a leader that'll get a little too greedy and then the other ones will come smack them down. Um, so there's like checks and balances, but I think for the most part, everybody up there understands that um, they live in a, in a limited resource area and that if they all share and get along, then it'll work out. So, and the barbarians don't necessarily fall into that at all and they'll no. just do whatever they want. And that's yeah. where they sometimes raid uh, yep. villages that might have what they need to survive and so yeah. they will just come and take it and then yeah. and then move on to hopefully follow the elk and, and survive the rent. Yeah, so I think like barbarians in times of plenty, they'll trade with ten towns and everybody gets along and in times of scarcity, barbarians will be like, all right, we're coming in. Yeah. We're going to take some shit. So. You, 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 you just got that fish. Let's go grab it. <laughs> yep, yep. We're going to snag it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, people in the ten towns are wary of barbarians. You know, um, I think some you know, will have their own story about like, oh, beware, don't go out on the ice flow at night because the barbarians will come get you. But um, I think some of them understand barbarians are the way they are just because of the nature of, you know, where the where the herds are and how, how things are going with them. Makes sense. But there are monsters out there. So there's all kinds of monsters. Um, the worst of which being remores. Remores. Oh, big, big old crazy things. So, yeah. How, why are they terrifying? Um, well, because they're burrowers. So you're just walking along the ice, doop 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 everything's cool, and then whammo, you know, they just come snag you. So, um, but then, you know, a Yeti could come trundling out of there, and you, if you're in a blizzard, and you, you just wouldn't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, You mentioned ice dragons, of course. That's yeah. where they like being oh, yeah. in the cold. Oh, they do it. They love it. And you're just easy pickings um, out there on the ice flows. So, um, yeah, travel in between 10 towns, um, in between, you know, if you're going from one town to the other, there are roads and pathways that, that are well established. Um, but anywhere outside of that, you are in, you know, no man's land. Yeah. You're in big trouble. So you have to really know what you're doing and know where you're going Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, make those like nature survival checks yeah <laughs> to avoid yeah, to Amores <laughs> and, and getting lost orc raiding parties and barbarian yep. raiding parties yeah. and big doofy brutish white dragons who might mm-hmm. just fly up and plop down on you and freeze you to death before crunching you yeah, yeah. Uh, awful um, but it's I, it's a really interesting you know place to set an action RPG video oh, yeah. game right because there's lots of uh, enemies, uh, yeah. things are always, you know, just the very survival of getting from point A to point B is is potentially full of disaster. Yeah, 
and there's you know mysteries up there there's things you know there's there's magic happening and there's like uh there's there's crazy mysteries going on so you know who knows what's going up what's happened up in ten towns and who knows you know what what once was so um it is forgotten realms after all so right. it's a great setting to go um for one just because of the harsh nature of the environment if you're a dungeon master who wants to sort of add that extra thing like you know you're walking down in water deep it's warm you're in shorts you got flip-flops on and like <laughs> cool you know i'm gonna go and have a pineapple drink and it's it's all good but you put your players up in 10 towns and not only are they dealing with whatever the adventure is that you're going to run them on but then the environment is actually kind of a villain in itself yeah that at any point um you know should they miss a check or should they go in the wrong direction or should they the party gets scattered and, you know, now that's a blizzard and they, they're not able to find each other and you've got to survive on your own out there. Then the environment becomes a factor and becomes something that's, that adds that little bit of tension. Um, I so, love that. Yeah. I love, I love campaigns that are run where scarcity of resources becomes, oh, yeah. uh, an adventure unto itself. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and add in all of the, uh, uniqueness of this setting as far as, you know, you're right. You're not doing fantasy castles and yeah. wizards and <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, yeah. you're doing uh, just eking out existence on yeah. the, one of the most treacherous environments, um, not on Earth, but on, in Faerun. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's really great. So uh, woe to those who must play this video game and not uh, uh, be able to get through. Yeah, I'm itching to play it. Like, I haven't played it yet, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to be cool. Um, thinking about a release this year uh, should be really neat. Stay tuned, and I hope we'll have more information on what a you know we mentioned all these evil creatures. Mm-hmm. If there were somehow a an agreement or a <laughs> alliance amongst all of them, well, that would be pretty dark. It would be. We'd be the blackest darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Woe to you being a dark alliance. Uh, very exciting. If people want to ask you more stuff about uh, what's going on in Icewind Dale, uh, how can they get in touch with you? Um, I'm at, at Adam of Adventure. A-D-A-M-O-F-A-D-A. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite handles because you're not just an Adam. You're an Adam of, of Adventure. Adventure. Yes. yes. And I think that's true. That's what my job is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking. I always like uh, getting into the lore with you. It's fun. Yeah. Well, dead of them all, sir. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We'll be back with some more fun stuff coming up. Guys, I feel like I know so much more about lore now. I'm so much more educated. Thank you for doing that segment. I like uh, that we get to pick the brains of really, really uh, fun and interesting people, and they just tell us all the fun stuff that they want to know. It's a pretty cool job you have. It's one of the best parts of coming and uh, getting on mic. I'm doing it right now, talking yeah. to you. Yeah. Aww. I'm picking your brain. You picking my brain. Yeah. About great commercials. About great commercials and, and uh, Phil Collins songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, speaking of... People that we want to talk to yes. and pick their brains. Yes. Let's get Morgan Webb on the phone. Let's do it. All I right. can't wait. I'm Call so excited. Up. Skype it up. Bring. Bring. Welcome, Morgan Webb, to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Hi! Oh my God, Morgan, I'm so excited that you're here. This is so cool. Just Me another. too. And I also had to show off my palm trees and my um, sunny, sunny day for all the people who are on the East Coast. I am sorry. Yeah. Also, the people in Seattle. It is yeah. it is gloomy and dark here. So thank yeah. you, thank you for reminding mm-hmm. us that there is sun somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere it's not in here. This world. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 
Uh, Morgan, many people in the Dungeons & Dragons world will know you from playing Morgane on Acquisitions Incorporated. I can't believe that your first appearance was eight years ago. Is that right? I don't, I don't know exactly. I was actually going to go look it up, and then I totally failed to do so. Um, it was a long time ago, and when I started, it... It's not like it wasn't a thing. I just didn't realize how long I was going to be doing this for. <laughs> totally. So what like was I your... probably I probably would not have named my character after myself. I probably <laughs> would have put like, I don't know, five more minutes of thought into my name. Like five minutes more, maybe. What did you, so when you, when you first played that first Acquisitions Incorporated game, you, you thought maybe it was going to be a one, one-off thing, but uh, what other expectations did you have going in that were kind of uh, thrown by the wayside? Um, oh my gosh, I had actually zero expectations. They just asked like, hey, do you want to be in this game? And I was like, yeah, sure. Wow. Why not? And then I started seeing the art and then there was a costume situation. <laughs> and then um, it was just something always super fun that I really looked forward to. Oh, that's really um, And it definitely got me actually more into D&D. Like now I have a weekly game. At that point I had played some games with my coworkers, but it hadn't been this like, you know, constant thing, like part of my life. And so it just really got me so excited about the world and the characters. Um, and the other thing about Ack Inc., which is interesting, is like we explore a lot of different worlds. Um, you know, it's like right now I'm pl playing Ravenloft right. uh, with my coworkers, and it's like that's one world that you're in. You know, mm -hmm. you don't get to just like check out like what's what is Ravnica? What's the deal with that? You know, like so it's really been fun for that reason. Yeah, that does. That, I think I think Ack Inc. because it's always been DM'd by a member of the Wizards of the Coast. D&D staff has kind of served as uh, an incidental marketing vehicle for our latest storylines. <laughs> incidental is the best, best word there. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a marketing vehicle. They're passionate about the new they, lore they and IP, and they want to share that with everybody. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, by marketing, by marketing vehicle, it's the Jim Dark Magic experience. That's the actual vehicle. Exactly, that is, exactly. Is the vehicle that goes forward. But I, the funnily enough, you mentioned how, how you, know, you weren't sure how big it was going to be. I mean, if... if Eight years ago, I don't think anybody thought no. how big it was going to be, including Chris Perkins. Yeah, including yeah. including Mike and Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what was sort of the first live D&D &D experience or live D&D &D show? I mean, I don't know who that was. There's been a couple of... We, we, I had to do this research, too, because I was looking at the, yeah. the history of, of Ack Inc. and then also things that have occurred at uh, uh, conventions like Gen Con and mm -hmm. things like that in the past. So there, there is a long tradition of doing it not live streaming, so doing it in a, in a public setting right. at gaming conventions. Um, and it, it was similar in that they had you know luminaries at the time, like Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are known for doing their, uh, their Ravenloft-themed uh, breakfast during Gen Con, and that had been going on for, for many decades. Um, but I don't think anybody kind of realized the entertainment value uh, bringing in people who are not just game designers, but who are actual entertainers uh, and, and, and personalities and the power of that. And that, I think, was the really pioneered by uh, Mike and Jerry doing it with uh, Chris Perkins uh, back on the podcast. It was just a podcast at first. Um, and the first live one, I think, was also at a Gen Con. And Chris Perkins famously has said, like, I didn't think anybody was going to come. Like, I yeah. thought it was going to be, no like, nobody was going to care to watch this. But there ended up being, you know, standing room only in the in the panel room. Even that first one? Yeah. Wow. 
That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and that was like tw- 2008, 2009, uh, around when that occurred. Wow. So what year did you do this research? What year did Morgaine first appear? I believe eight years ago is, the, is okay, the re- so what my research 2012? says. Yeah. 2012. Does that sound right? Okay. That does sound right. That, that was sort of my vague in my head. Um, I wonder if it was eight years ago, but then I neglected to look it up. <laughs> well, it all melts melt together after a time. You're it like, does. oh, I've been, I've been living these different worlds. If you could choose a different name for, for Morgan, what would it be at this point? Oh, my God. I don't know. I feel like I want to ask chat or tweet at me, Morgan Webb, at Morgan Webb, and I would love to know alternate name suggestions. Maybe that will be the name of my plant here. I, um, I learned about Robert Plant, so now I was jealous and I needed to have my plant needs a name. Yes. Maybe we, that can be that. We have our, we have our plant in the studio here, uh, which we called Robert Plant because it's silly. Apparently uh, that's stuck. And, and Morgan's got your old plant. Show us your plant. Lift it up a little bit so that, that yeah, folks can see, see it. Yeah, I want to see this plant. It, it is a corkscrew grass. Oh, nice. Ooh. Okay. That definitely I, uh, deserves I, a high elf name. I am in charge of uh, putting plants in the office because... Other people wanted fake plants, and that will not stand. <laughs> that will not stand. <laughs> uh, does that plant have CBD in it, or is that, that, oh, that, wow. that type of grass? <laughs> you wish. I no, know. It's, a, it's, it's curly Q grass. It's curly. You don't smoke it. Hey, uh, speaking of which, it. Morgan, you, <laughs> yeah. you say that in speaking the— of it's Speaking of how, how do you like to relax? No. Um, uh, you, you mentioned that your office mates um, are wanting to buy plants. Tell us where you're working. Tell us about your new project. Oh, so I'm at a game, an independent game developer called Bonfire Studios. Okay. Um, we haven't really made announcements yet, and we haven't put anything out yet. Um, but we are working. We have a bunch of— um, that's from Blizzard. Um, we have like a, one of our artists is from ILM. Cool. You can actually check out. I know he's so good. It makes it hurts my brain a little bit. <laughs> um, you can check out like uh, bonfirestudios.com. You can see like some of the people that we have. You can see you know some of our artists did like the art on the website, that kind of thing. So we're kind of in stealth mode right now. We're not really talking that much, but. Um, I'm excited to be able to share some stuff yeah. hopefully as soon as possible. Um, so what's your role there? We're working. Um, that is such a complicated question, hilariously. <laughs> everything. Because, cause, I mean, that part of it is like we're a startup. So, so, so everything. Kind of everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of everything. Right. Um, but I do writing, like internal, external writing, focusing on communications. I'm going to be talking a lot more. And so if people want to follow, know what's happening, you can follow Bonfire Studios or you can follow me because I will obviously be doing a lot of talking about what's going on. Nice. Well, both of you yeah. have experience in the video game world leading up to becoming D&D tabletop luminaries. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was on the uh, development side for the longest time, like 10 years before I started working uh-huh. on D&D. And I was always a huge fan of yours way before Acquisitions Incorporated, and before I knew that you were on Ink, I was like, I was working at GameStop watching like the, the Morgan Webb stuff on whatever whatever G3 kind of <laughs> network you were on. And I was like, dude, she's such a baller. She knows her shit so well. And it was really inspiring. You like you helped inspire Aww. a little baby Kate Welch with your early that's career stuff. So thank you. Amazing. Yeah, I, cool. I, I hear those stories. Um, and it really means a lot because it was something that was really important to me at the time and just still is really important is just Trying to be authentic, it's much easier today than it was in the past, which is amazing. And yeah. if I had even like a tiny, tiny part of that, then I feel really honored. You definitely did. You definitely did. Okay, I want to ask you, I, let's talk more about Morgane because one of Morgane's abilities is that she can 
conjure animals. Oh my God, why did I pick this? Why did I pick it? It's the worst. <laughs> so, so how do Freaking you... Freaking worst. Let's, I, I heard that you have really good advice to give about how to play conjuring animals to, to be able to do that at the table without pissing off your dungeon master. So Okay, first of all, just think twice about it, really, because <laughs> you... It's like, it's like you can summon four animals of challenge rating one quarter or above unless you cast it at a third, eighth level and then blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's a little complicated to begin <laughs> a with. A little bit. Fractions, yeah, man. Yeah. Which, is, which is sort of fine. It's a little less fine on the stage than it is on seriously. in your personal game, but. Yeah, seriously. Um, so the first thing that I definitely did is like, your DM does not know the attacks of the wolf you know, does it have a claw attack? Does it have a bite attack? What is the claw attack? What is the distance? How far can the wolf run? Your DM does not know that, and they don't feel like looking it up. So um, what I did is I actually went and bought just beast cards that are just printed. So, like, I have all of that information on. Smart. I pull out all – yeah, so I just pull out probably 10 that I might use during that adventure. Like, I try to figure out, like, okay, well, I need something that swims. I need something that flies. Um, and then – so then I have those. Definitely roll them as a group if at all possible. Yes, please. Um, yeah, my God, right. <laughs> um, you got to know your card. You got to know it. So that's why I do 10. And then what I tend to do is I only really summon, I tend not to summon in battle. You'll probably notice on stage, I tend to summon, like, if we're falling, I'll try to summon, you know, things. Or if we need rafts, I'll try to summon the crocodiles at one point. So I try to do it that way. Um, but it's, it's a complicated, fussy spell that could get super boring for everybody else if you're sitting there rolling for four panthers separately. Yeah. It's or God help you, like, for four, anybody else. four different kinds of animals or something, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't think you can do that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you can do one type of animal. <laughs> Depends on who your dungeon master is yeah, and who, yeah, what they will allow. That is true. Yeah. true. But it also gets so complicated because you could summon, like, eight swarms of this or it's just like oh my god that's smart though using it as like a problem solving spell rather than a combat spell because that works really well uh when you're when you're do playing dungeons and dragons for entertainment right like you want to yeah. keep the movie the thing going and like oh yeah. i know how to get around this obstacle in a way that's really visual and and iconic to your character whereas just like you're saying like if it's, if it's going to slow down combat or make things feel you know uh like the pacing is is, is a lull then it, it can be a detriment yeah, so like spiders a great one. Like the giant spiders kind of thing. Like that's a good one because they can climb up walls and that can be a good tool. Yeah. Totally. So you mentioned you kind of touched on this. What if anything do you feel is different between performing I'm sure you've heard this question before. Before performing as a Dungeons and Dragons player versus playing in your home games as a Dungeons and Dragons player. Like what what differences do you see? I don't think anyone's actually asked me that before. Oh. Um Let's see. So I, I, okay, well, first of all, my home games, there's more beer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, talk to Alyssa. We can maybe change yeah. that. <laughs> there's, there's more, there's more bathroom breaks. There's beer available. That's true. There's there beer, more, there's bathroom, more bathroom breaks. breaks. Yeah. 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 So we do, um, here we have like this tool, like two screen setup because we play in one of our conference rooms. We totally hijack work resources. We have like the two Excellent. screens, Excellent. you know, we've got like, D&D Beyond running. We all have our tablets. Yes. You know, like we're a setup. And then we, of course, have to have the inspirational music. 
So we have like playlists. We have like the Ravenloft playlist that we'll play. Nice. Um, our DM here is amazing. He's got some mad props. Like he's got like Strahd's journal and it's all like dog-eared and there's like writing on every page, even though only some pages are relevant. And it's like, I know. That's so cool. That's so cool. And you know, like he'll like roll out this giant map and then we're like, how did you get it like this? He's like, I may have let my dog play with it. And so it's like, Oh wow! And then certain the like, locations are secret, like secret locations. He'll kind of like burn that part of the map out so you oh, can't see what's there. Smart. So that's he's how oh, cool. We got what some a good, game going on. Good dungeon master. Totally. So you don't. And then you, we still like spend four hours trying to reanimate the dolls or what? Like we still just yeah. do stupid shit. So <laughs> oh sorry. That's what so did you? Um, it, it, I've been swearing on this podcast. All right, dropping sorry. bombs. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> but so you, you, when you play on stage, aside from like trying not to be a pain in the ass with about conjuring your animals, you tend to have kind of a similar play experience. It sounds like like maybe there aren't a lot of differences for you. Um, I don't know. And honestly, it feels totally different. It, um, it does. Yeah. Because I think there's also something like you have a clock on stage, so you are painfully aware of the time. And right. you know that, I mean, you, that whoever's doing like our DMing is amazing and they're yeah. changing everything on the fly and they have like so much content in case you decide like, I'm going to turn into a bird and fly. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. But you, you're, you are aware of that and just so aware of the audience. You're not playing for yourself. You're trying your best to play for the audience. Totally. Uh, the, um, the, the thing that I've noticed myself is – uh, I always try to make like one good joke, and that, that's that's like that's less important to me in a home game. Like I can I can really focus on the on the story more. But acting yeah. being a comedy property, I'm like okay, if I'm up there for two hours, it, I just I just need one good joke, and I'll feel like I contributed to this in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's great because the table is such a friendly table. Everybody wants you to have your moment yes. and your time. Yes, and yes. so. Like, I know I try to set people up as much as possible and try to, like, tee them up and get them into situations where, totally. you know, they're going to thrive. So, You're hope, very you know, we have fun, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. Can we talk about some spoilers about Morgane on here? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got a lot of questions uh, on Twitter uh, specifically about oh. wanting to find out about uh, when, you know, Morgane is thinking about taking over Acquisitions Incorporated. And oh, I was right. like, ooh, I think her and Rosie might have something to talk about here. Yeah. So this was – go ahead. Ask your Twitter question. Uh, that was basically it. It was, it was when are you planning to take over from <laughs> Omen Drawn and how will you, uh, uh, you, uh, you know, engineer his demise? I mean, I don't know. There may be a time when he's not useful to me anymore. I'm not really sure. That being said, <laughs> Morgan's not. I love you, like, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan's not really like. I I feel like being CEO of a corporation like that it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, you got to do paperwork. You got to like have management things. Like. Totally. Eh. Yeah, I feel like maybe Morgan and, and Walnut seem to get along pretty well. Maybe Morgan yeah. would delegate the like the day to day paperwork to Walnut, and that and then Morgan would just like reap the reward from that. That's a very omen way to run your business. So yeah, and it's funny because you know I talk a lot about like getting paid first, yes, um, but getting paid in advance, and it's really not about the fact that I'm so money hungry. It's more just like pragmatic. It's like I do work and I want to get paid, uh-huh. and if Omen doesn't pay me first, he's gonna forget my paycheck. And so, therefore, <laughs> I will get paid first or, 
I, I don't know. She's very um, matter of fact. She is. She is. I've Which, always I always like that because at the table at that table everyone is so ridiculous, and and Morgan right. is there to be like, no, this is what's up. Also, I eat trash. Like she's <laughs> <laughs> she's so good. She's such a good character. Yeah, she's developed a lot over the years. I, I need to go back and listen to the first few episodes and see what her personality really was. It's it's fun to to watch. I'm sure, that it's evolution. changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are there are there other qu- questions from Twitter that you? Well, want to cover? I, I was just going to say, like, you know, how how does that feel staying consistent with the character? You know, right? So, like, or or do do you think about that, or you just in the moment when you're when you're playing, like when you were most recently at Pack South. Uh, with Jeremy Crawford as Dungeon Master, uh, that must have been a different experience than when you were playing with Chris Perkins. And 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 how does how do you how do you keep that all consistent, or do you? I do my best. I feel like she's become more herself even recently. Mm. Um, you know, and the, the both those DMs are so good, as you know. Like they're so good at making sure everybody has their moment. They're different, but they're the same in the fact that you know that they're not going to let anything bad happen. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be fine. They ha- Something interesting is going to happen. They're going to be able to control the pacing. I mean, it's such a skill, and it's so impressive that, I, I mean, I just have incredible respect. Um, I'm personally, I have never DM'd. <gasps> I don't think I'm ready. I know, I know. I don't think I'm ready yet. Oh, no, you're ready. But I was thinking... You're born ready. Know. You're born ready. It's so easy. It's so easy, Morgan. Yeah, and Kate was telling what? me that you come you come prepared with You're cards so prepared. and everything written out. Yes. Like that's oh, like yeah. half of the skills you need right there as a dungeon master. Yeah, you're you are you're well qualified. Don't worry. We can talk about this offline, but like okay. you're re- you're good to go, babe. You'd be you'd be amazing. Agreed. I don't know. <laughs> For the podcast, there's a there's definitely some uh, some neck tendons popping out in in yeah. I'm in like, oh. <laughs> if Shelly if Shelly were here, my 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 uh, uh, co-host, she's ha- battling with the same exact thing that you are. She's been a player for a long time. She really enjoys it, but she has that same yeah. reservations. Uh, that sounds like your, your your neck tendons are telling us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. I guess I should decide. What's your opinion on how loose Lucy Goosey a DM should be? Very how much loose. shenanigans should at, a DM put up with? Or maybe how much should I put up with as a DM? I, I don't know. Well, I don't I mean, know my line yet. You're going to find your own style uh, kind of by default just because you're, it'll be yeah. you doing it. But I personally think there's no wrong way to play Dungeons & Dragons. I you agree. can play in a super fast and loose game that's about making each other laugh and drinking beer and just having fun together and maybe you roll some dice. Or you can be really meticulous and be like, we must do it, you know, tracking each arrow that's fired and things like that. Like, there is no wrong way. So you will find what makes sense for you and your players and, you know, don't... I, I wouldn't necessarily be uh, thinking about what is the... What's, what does what, what people in this building even think about that? Because... Uh, as Jeremy Crawford has said, follow your bliss. Like, just yeah. do do the game that feels like the most fun for you. Yeah. And I, I think, too, that being yeah. loosey-goosey as a DM, uh, sp- especially when it comes to planning, I, is the is the better way to go. Like, I, for for any game that I've ever DM'd, I've done, like, maximum. And this was for, like, one that was going to be, I was DMing for Dice Camera Action at PAX East last year, I think. And I was like, okay, well, they're, they, you know, they usually get DM'd by Chris Perkins. So I really should prep. And I think I did 45 minutes of prep. Like, that's it. And it, it was, that's w- three times more than I ever actually do for any other game. I, because I know, I'll know what, what beats I want to hit. 
I know that they were going to solve a mystery, and I knew what the end of the mystery was. But otherwise, it's Dungeons and Dragons, so I kind of want them to take their own path. And I will roll with whatever they do, and we'll get to where I want us to go, whether they take the path that I want them to or not. <laughs> um, but they, they, the less you prepare, the more agency your players will feel like they have. And so I, that's why I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of under-preparing for, for Dungeons & Dragons games. That's why I think it's so easy. It's just like, you just show up in improv, and you'd be brilliant. So doesn't sound so bad. Right? Right. I kind of was, I kind of want to do Tomb of Annihilation. <gasps> yeah, yeah, Tomb of Annihilation is awesome, and it's so brutal. I it's know. It's so brutal. I know. I've never, I've never actually played it. Another group here is doing Tomb of Annihilation, and I'm always like, Poking my head, like, what you doing? Get some what, dinosaurs. What are you doing? Huh? Like, oh, you guys, you guys have dinosaur races? <laughs> <laughs> I did, I've done that once. Hanging out in the jungles, I can do that. Um, it says here that yes. you have a paladin character in a salt marsh campaign. Oh, my God, you need to help me. Okay, okay, <laughs> how can I help? This is the advice columns section yeah. of the podcast. I worked, I worked on this book. I can help with this. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is basically, it's just like Morgan asking for help on all of the things. I'm like, name my plant, help my paladin. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does your paladin okay. need? What can we do? So, just started this campaign. So, like, kind of a fresh slate, honestly, like, and... I can change whatever because um, my DMs, if I went and been like, I really want to make these changes, be like, hey, it's your character, whatever, have a good time. Um, okay, so I'm a dragonborn paladin, lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my personality is just so not a paladin. Okay. It's so hard to be righteous. Like, good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Righteous. Yes. Like yeah. my alignment is so sort of, neutral and like Morgane is like my natural alignment sort of like not chaotic neutral but just sort of lawful you know what I mean like yeah just so there's no one way to do it is your paladin like true neutral what's the what's your alignment I I can change it to whatever I think I just picked like lawful I think I picked lawful Lawful good, but lawful good. Yeah, yeah, it's not working out for me. Is what I'm saying. So, I, so something me, something has to change. Give me an example of how it's not working. I just I never quite know what to say because I think I'm supposed to be this like pedantic, um, all about my God. You everybody's doing things wrong mm-hmm. person, but I'm yeah. such also just party focused. Like I just want to have fun with my friends, right? And go along with the part what the party wants. And you know, at one point the party wanted to go hijack a pirate ship. Nice. And I'm like, I'm down. Right. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds incredible. But then, like, according to my sort of character, or I guess my understanding of a paladin, like, I shouldn't want to do that. So maybe you could help me understand more about what a real paladin can be or, like, the range of paladins. Oh, yeah. There's definitely, there like, a, be. I mean, the, the paladin was at first a archetype of, like, the, the lawful good knights, you know, like the chivalry yeah. and all that type of stuff. But that's only one type of paladin. I think you can do paladins that are... Uh, uh, proponents and protectors of chaos. Like we, I don't. It doesn't matter what is important uh, to you. Just figure out what what kind of idea you can latch onto. So if you're like, I'm going to be defender of the trees because I think you know nature is super important. So I'll just do everything that's about making sure that they're protected and doing that type of thing. Or even the pirate ship idea. Be like, hey, my my god is uh, the god of pirates, and if there's you know a uh, a lawful good pirate uh, or, or ship coming in, like I'm I'm okay with with 
taking it over because that's what my God would want me to do. Uh, so I think find uh, an ideal that y- matches you know Morgan's ideals uh, a little bit closer, so that you can just find what what makes sense to you and, and latch onto it. I also I kind of like the idea of a paladin in in the taking over a pirate ship example, a paladin who could basically, if you really want to cooperate with your party, your paladin could justify any action by like talking her way into it or his way or, or mm. whomever. Um, but the, the, like the idea of taking over a pirate ship, yeah, there's going to probably be pirate murder involved in this or, or something. Um, so, but, but pirates are criminals. So isn't that an interesting moral quandary? And maybe your paladin is like, well, on the one hand, this is murder, but on the other hand, they're criminals and they've probably killed other people. So, and, and I could see that being like a really wonderful role-playing moment for you. Every time there's a quandary about your, your, your alignment, you're like, yeah, but this is, this is definitely, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't rob children, obviously, but what if they grow up to be uh, bad people who do bad things with their money? Then I'm helping I'm helping, you know, like it's, and so you can, you can end up going along with your group that way while also having like a really fun role-playing quirk is that you just talk yourself into believing that everything is lawful good, right? Do the ends justify the means. Right, yeah. yeah, it's subjective, right? Yeah, I think it's probably, I mean, that's something that's great about D&D is that you can play other characters and try on other characters. Right. Um, and I just need to push that a little bit more yeah. and get more comfortable with that. And it took me a while to get comfortable with Morgaine. And, you know, I can also, I also know that I'll get more comfortable with this character. I just know that there's just something in there that's not totally working. Um, yeah. But I could also choose, a, a, like, a, I could follow a chaotic god. Totally. Or, yeah. Especially yeah. if it's go- at salt marsh. I mean, following a, yeah. a, a god or a goddess of the sea. Yeah. I mean, um, the whole sea is about change totally. and tides and like, hey, this makes sense. This is because I'm going with the flow. And this is, you know, I, I could totally see a paladin of, of the ocean as there, a, as an archetype. There is a god of the sea named Umberly. Mm. And I think that she's an evil god. She's a sea bitch. Um, she is that the actual name is that she's the bitch queen of the deeps. Now, do I think Oh that- my god, I'm so in for this. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Isn't she amazing? So like I, I think that perhaps when she was named the bitch queen of the deeps, it was not intended as a compliment. But I think that that is the, the just like the that's what I'm hoping that someone calls me someday. You're like I'm I, at this point as the Yeah, so like you could be uh, the the holy warrior of the bitch queen of the deeps. Like get in that. That sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. I'm, 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 I'm sold on this situation. Yes. Woo, we helped. Gregory, <laughs> I mean, high, high five. I always think of Ursula when I think of, of Oh, yeah, of Umberley. Of Umberley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ursula is a really good comp for that, I think. Right. Yeah, because she's, she's got the, all that same, like, magical power. And, yeah, and, and Umberley would be such a cool god to, like, learn about and really try to represent in a character. Even if you are a lawful good, I mean, maybe that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting... Um, Bit, bit of friction between your character and your god. Like you could, it, it's a, it's an interesting arc to be. I'm sorry. This is this is a segment that we sometimes do on this show where we just imagine characters. So I'm sorry yeah. about this, but imagine, no, this is awesome. imagine a, a paladin who's lawful good, who is the holy warrior of this evil god, but who is um, you you could fall out of favor with your god by because you're not mm-hmm. evil enough, right? Yeah. And so you're you're very lawful good, but you're you're trying to do these acts that represent this evil god, and then you become like a fallen paladin, 
Um, but in falling, you didn't fall into evil. You fell into good. And that's, that is, uh, that's an arc that I've never seen before. So that could be really fun. That could be fun to play with. I am kind of into it. It's also, this is like me playing games like Mass Effect where I try to be evil desperately. And then I always do Same. the good thing because I, can't I do it. freaking can't do I can't it. Can I go Renegade? I always I can't. I always I cannot. I tell myself I'm going to do Paragon the first time, and on the replay I'll do Renegade. But I swear to God, I'll just do Paragon twice. Like it's I can't. Yeah. I can't do Renegade. It makes me feel so icky. Ooh. The only one where I, I was uh, uh, the Old Republic, the Bioware oh, yeah. uh, uh, MMO, mm. where I'm like, I'm going to play a Sith, and then I started just torturing everybody. I'm like, this feels real bad. Yeah. I'm going to stop playing because yeah. I do not like this. Uh, but it's, it's for funny. I also played a Sith in that game. <laughs> Were you a nice? I, pay, Sith? I picked a Sith. Of course I was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play a Sith. And then I'm like, oh, the puppy's dying. I'll save, right. save 10 puppies. Okay, I'll save 10 puppies. Right. Come on. I, I think I know myself better by now. I got like 25 levels in, and then I was like, I don't want to be mean anymore. It feels dirty. Yeah, so I hear you. But I also like the idea of the transition. Like, if you work with your, um, uh, with your dungeon master on this paladin character, like, you started yeah. off lawful good, but something happens, and, and then the dungeon master would love that because they're like, yeah. oh, you know, say you uh, were in a battle and you ended up, you know, falling off the ship or something like that, and you get sunk to the bottom, then you actually encounter Umberly oh, yeah. and, yeah. and have, like, a, a, a one-on-one thing, and all of a sudden you're like, she'll give you back your life uh, because uh, you will be her devotee f- from then on forward. So and I'm like, cool. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's great about cuz he's he's very, you know, player focused and he can tell when something's not really working for somebody too cuz it's and that drags the whole table down. Yes, agreed. When I'm like pretending like I'm offended by something just poorly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it can be it can be fun uh, on the occasion like we have a we have a lawful good paladin on the C team, Dinar. And mm-hmm. he, he sometimes calls us to task. He's like, our moral, I am the moral compass of this group. Our morality is awful. I'm leaving. Um, and we're, we have to like constantly convince him, like, no, 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 please stay. Please stay in the group. But it makes, it makes total sense. Like, why, why would you stick around with it? But, and, and those kinds of interactions, they've only happened like two or three times, luckily. They can't yeah. happen every session because that gets really yeah. tiresome, as yeah. you said. Yeah. So, sometimes it's good to, remember, to remind people. I also know a, a group that has a house rule that I really like that is mm-hmm. you do not – your alignment doesn't determine your actions. Your actions determine your alignment. So your alignment is mutable because, like, for instance, if you're playing a lawful good character but you're a murder hobo, how are you lawful good? You're, right. you're obviously not. So your alignment should change based on your actions. And maybe the thing to do would be to just play a few sessions and figure it out, figure out what your alignment is based on how you like to play this character, you know? Can we, we could talk about alignment a little bit. Um, in the games that I've played – you know, you know, you're filling out your sheet and it's like alignment and you're like, yeah. oh, let's see. And then you kind of chat about it and, and you feel like, I feel like it's been this thing where um, it helps me think about who the character is. That's true. But it doesn't necessarily, but I don't actually think about it that much afterwards. Me neither. And then I had one of my friends, like starts, he's texting me all bummed. He's like, my DM changed my alignment. And he was all bummed. And so I'm like, how, how do you think about alignment? How important is alignment? How much should the DM even have, like, know what your alignment is? Like, what does it influence, really? I think it's a role-playing note more than anything. Agreed. Um, And it is something that 
tends to be a really good barometer for you or um, North Star maybe is the right term. When you, when you don't know what to do in a certain situation, if, you're, if you just look at your alignment and you do whatever that alignment would do, then that can really help you get out of a situation that you're kind of stuck in. I, that's, mm-hmm. That tends to be how I use it the most. Yeah, and I, I, in fifth edition, I love how the bonds and flaws and uh, uh, those character things mm-hmm. are in some ways informed by alignment too. And I think I, now I think about alignment as one of those, like one of those gu- guidelines that is about your character and, and um, should be what you think about when you're either don't know what to do or, or are in a situation interacting with other people that you may have a negative or positive reaction to based on on that. Uh, it's a guideline. It's never, and I, and I think the house rule that you just mentioned, as well as, you know, even though you're, the player was bummed uh, to change alignment, I think it is not a set in stone thing. It is not like, hey, I'm going to be lawful good, I'm lawful good forever. It, it's based on your actions. It's based on what happens. It makes, you know, I mean, how many times in your life have, uh, uh, an event changed a little bit who you are, and, totally. and then maybe yeah. it's just a temporary change. But you know, it, you can go through moments where you're like, "Hey, screw it! I, 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 I hate the world this six month period, so yeah. I'm going to be chaotic neutral." Right? Yeah. You think there's any alignments that are just impossible to have at a party? No, I, th- I think there's players that are impossible to have at a party. I, I think I think chaotic <laughs> evil is really hard. I think chaotic evil is really hard. Even though I think most players are chaotic evil. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that having having someone whose motivation is to do the wrong thing all the time and be as crazy as possible about it, that's really if you're if you're with the rest of like neutral or good people, I think that that can be really challenging. But it can also be pulled off. It, it really depends on how much your DM is willing to cooperate with you. What about you? Do you do you think any alignments are unplayable? Mm, I think honestly, you're, I think you're right in that it's really going to depend on the person because it is no fun to play with somebody who's totally not party focused. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine it. I haven't experienced it. Like our game here, we all are coworkers. We all have to work together on projects in general. So we're yeah. already sort of pre-wired to cooperate with That's each true. other. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's a social contract with 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 playing a D&D campaign, there right? Is, like yeah. everybody uh, you know, the individual players are like, "Hey, we're all going to be doing this together." And as long as the player who may want to play a chaotic evil uh, character is in on that social contract, it can work. I yes. have seen people pull it off in a way because the the goals of the party may be lawful good, but their individual thoughts on it maybe like oh I, well I don't I don't really want to be doing this or they might subvert it in some way that wouldn't make it that would add to the drama of it being a fun game rather than there's definitely ways to subvert it where it won't be fun and I think when I said that comment about players it's because sometimes you meet players who want, only want to play chaotic evil characters just because they want to mess up that social contract yeah I think as long as you have a pact with your DM, with your fellow players, maybe it's the social, this is the social contract, yeah. that you your your focus will be on the good of the party. Even if that means that you're, you are just acting evil, you're doing evil things, as long as you're furthering the party's goals, I think evil alignments can totally work. Because it's, it actually might even be kind of useful. If you have an act, you're like, okay, well, we have to kidnap this senator's wife I don't None want to do that. None of us want to do that, except for <laughs> our, I'll do it. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I, like I've got no moral qualms. Exactly. I'm fine. And that, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, they, it gives the DM such an interesting playground to set up moral quandaries for your party and to see 
which players are going to lean a little more evil or if that evil character maybe starts to grow a conscience, you know? Like, those are, those are some interesting dynamics to play with. I'm thinking about this now. Okay. I almost think about it like uh, it's not exactly applicable, but B.A. Baracus in the A-Team. Here I'm dating myself here. Oh, yeah. But, like, he had a fear of flying, right? And yes, so they yeah. always had to do something because they, they had to fly to get from point A to point B. So they had to do something to, to knock him out or whatever. But it the ended up being this, or the, the character? The character. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and so it's a similar thing for uh, a character who's chaotic evil or something like that. They'd be like, all right, well, we have to do this. We have to go to church. And we have to blend in. Yeah. So let's do, we have to, because he'll just be, or he or she will just, you know, mess everything up if they are given right. free reign. So ah, church man. Yeah, exactly. So right? many things to break. And as long as, as long as everyone's having fun with it, I think it, it, it's, it, it can be a good foil. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's yep. the kind of group you'd need to require a lot more check-ins. Do you think there are any unplayable alignments or no? No. Okay. I don't think so. Like, it's the player. Yeah, I agree. What, so we have a um, we have a halfling bard in in uh, our Ravenloft campaign, and he is definitely he's our troublemaker. But what he actually does is, if we're sitting there like dithering over, I don't know, should you go in? Okay, what if you go up the back? Right. I summon a bird, and then we invent <laughs> helicopters. You know, like when you get in these sort of like long, oh yeah, ridiculous <laughs> conversations where it's like forty five minutes have gone by, and the DM's like. They're getting closer. Yeah, like, <laughs> totally. Yes. Stop yeah. arguing. Just pick something. Um, and Tasselhoff, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Just yes. like the stupidest things. Um, and then someone remembers that they have Misty Step and they could have just skipped the whole thing. Yep. But so what he does is they, um, he will, because his sort of flaw and his characteristic is that he's this he's totally fearless. And so he'll just run in sometimes and be like, I'm just going to run in. And we're all like, okay, well now we're moving. Yeah. I guess, you know? I guess so, it's time to go. Guess we're going. And it's always, he does it in such a really funny, hilarious way so that it's not annoying. Cause at first you're like, we were working on the plan. Right. And then you're like, okay, this is actually hilarious. Cause he's like, right. like tiny little halfling. Oh, and a um, bard too. Yes. How many times has he died? It's <laughs> um, <laughs> charging in. <laughs> That's not a. a uh, he died once recently, but he um, he killed himself by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yep. like had one hit point and then shot himself in the foot when he rolled a one. Oh my god! I love that. So That's he's like, I rolled a one, good. and then the DM's like, "You shot yourself in the foot. You're now dead." <laughs> so we Incredible. You Incredible. mentioned, you mentioned yeah. that it's a halfling character, and I, 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 that whole idea of tassel hoof, uh, half burfoot from, from Dragonlance is basically that, is that mm-hmm. instigator always trying to get up and, and, and mix in it. And uh, I think that's a really valuable uh, yep. person at the table to have, both as a player and as a character, because I've been in those situations where you're planning an assault on a castle for three hours, and you're like, can we just do it already? <laughs> Uh, so I admit to being that character more often than not. I'm the instigator. Oh, yeah. Well, especially, you know, if you are party-focused, and we all are, are also party-focused, that you want to hear everybody's ideas, and you totally. want to make sure that, you know, and if you have some new players, then you go over the spells with them and their abilities, and it's just all of a sudden it's like three hours later, and you're still sitting outside. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like 15 minutes of in-game time has passed, and yep. that's it. Totally. Yeah. Three hours. So you're going to be doing uh, uh, PAX East this year. I got, I got an email from Alyssa Grant. So we're okay. Yeah, we okay. can talk about it. 
Uh, I'm excited because I think uh, Jim, Dark Magic, is going to be, uh, Mike Rahulik is going to be Dungeon Mastering, and it's going to be a gym turlude, I'm yep. told. He, he is. So last time he did it, we did a PUBG-style battle royale with microtransactions. <laughs> yes. yes. I loved he, that episode. I was in the audience was for that. It was so fun. Too. Yeah. Um, he did not tell any of us it was going to be microtransactions, so none of us brought money. So I was, I finally was like, why didn't you tell us to bring money? Because if everybody, nobody had any money, we would have all been like, oh, well, I guess we're not playing. Like, what are you supposed to do? The only person who brought money was Pat Rothfuss. And so he was like handing money to everybody underneath the table. Amazing. Like, I didn't bring, bring my wallet. I don't bring my purse on stage. Who has cash? Who has cash? Here we go. <laughs> but can you imagine, what if Mike Krahulik had emailed you and been like, okay, I see you guys at Paxi's PS, bring $40. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would you think he was planning? Exactly. Honestly, I would have been like, all right. <laughs> Small bills. I know. Yeah. I would have been like, okay. Yeah, I would have done it. I've been like, no questions asked. Sure. I right. will give you $40. Absolutely. Not a problem. Well, and that was the downfall I mean, of Rothfuss because he had a $20 bill, if I remember correctly. And he's like, oh, do, yeah. is had, there change? Can we change get change <laughs> happen? <laughs> yeah. That was a really good episode. Did anybody break Because this? often when you go to do these – you know, the DM will pull you aside and be and tell you like three really important things that you need to remember that only you know. Oh, and yeah. so you're kind of, kind of used to that where they pull you aside and it's like, you know, you're actually a clone and you're like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, that was another um, really good Morgan moment. Sorry, Morgane moment. Yeah, oh, it was so <laughs> it was good. Another totally freaked totally out the internet. Part. Everybody <laughs> exploded. It was so fun. Do you? I know. I'm like, uh, how am I supposed to play? I found that out just just a few minutes before, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna play like normal. Yeah. Um, aside from Acquisitions Incorporated, which is obviously one of the very very best Dungeons and Dragons shows, are there any other? Absolutely. D <laughs> Absolutely. Are there any other D and D podcasts or shows that you're a big fan of? So I really like the podcast, not another D and D podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know that you've had some people on from that show, yeah. which is exciting. Yeah. Um, I just love. I really like the um, the characters that they've created. Um, they have a paladin on there who's very. He's like a teenager, and he's like he's just super boy scouty. Yeah. Um, which is such. A, and he just plays it really well. It's just funny, and it's just such a um, charming character. Um, Don't they have like a, the characters a are all flawed? They like a swamp druid or something. A fungal druid. A fungal druid. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is a thing. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So the circle, now circle I of play spores. A yeah, from the unearthed yeah. arcana. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a cool class. And then she also, I think, like multi-class barbarian, which is something like I've never multi-classed. So this is like a whole other thing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that, and then I'm like, that makes no sense for my character when I'm multi-class barbarian. It doesn't even make any sense. But. Um, do like multi-classing is a thing, and I want to talk to you about for about five hours. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. Time, so. We got time. <laughs> I okay. got five hours. Put five hours on the clock. Let's talk about multi-classing. <laughs> yeah. Sure. What do you want to know? Yeah. Um, do you do you do it? Is it something that you? I do not. Enjoy? I don't either. I mean, I, I know the rules about it, mm -hmm. but I, I there's something about the purity of a class that I really enjoy. Um, like the just a, a concept that is all about. Uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, I love playing a druid, and it, like the Circle of Sports druid is a good example. Like, oh, the, I feels like that uh, all of the things that I want to do are within that. Now that said, what I what I do think multiclassing does well at is if your ar archetype in your head doesn't exist as designed. So you want to say like, oh, I'm going to do 
two things in Fighter and four in Wizard. And you're like, because that, what I really want to do, and I, did, I made this character, I only played it for a few sessions, but it was a, um, a conjuration wizard that made his weapons. Uh, cool. So that like, he never really had anything on him. He just, every time he, he drew, did this drawing action, and then it was in The Witcher, actually, I think, uh, yeah. The Witcher show they recently. Stole it. They stole, they stole my you. idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just love that idea of being able to, I'm mostly a wizard, but I can fight if I need to with these uh, conjured weapons. Yeah, I like that. I've I've never multi-class personally, mm-hmm. but um, I would do it. It's just I I uh, <laughs> I am ADD enough in real life <laughs> that I never accomplish very much. I I never finish projects, and so I'm really working on that. And so I think part of my escapist fantasy is the idea of actually committing to just one thing <laughs> and allowing myself to actually get really good at that thing. So yeah, that's that's me escaping in, into um, into a commitment. Do you think that the character itself is less powerful at that point because you... Ha- so how does leveling work? So I have three levels of wizard, um, and then, you know, if I'm not continually leveling, if, I, if the next level I take barbarian or whatever, um, I'm not advancing in wizard as much, right? I'm not getting Correct. more spell slots. I'm not getting any of those things. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm a just a lower level character. Is that kind of just how it works? Well, I think you add them together. You do. So if okay. you, were, yeah. So uh, if there was something that determined your total character level, it would be both of them added together. Um, but if there's something that needed your wizard level, uh, like spell slots and things like that, you would only take the right. levels of mm-hmm. wizard when, into account when you're when you're adding that up. Right. It gets even stickier when there's two spell uh, spell casting classes are together. Oh yeah, because then it gets into like which which levels are going to which spells and which <gasps> spell slots and things like that. So that gets even more stickier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and That's I'm, brutal. Yeah, I assume if you like if you have a if you've multiclassed into two spellcasters, I'm I'm paraphrasing here because I don't actually know the rule sets. So I'm actually asking you if you multiclass into two spells spellcasters like sorcerer and wizard for whatever reason they're so similar, but you decide you want to do this. Um, and there, there are spells that are across both of those classes, like certain certain spells that both ca- classes can cast. Do you take the higher of your two multi-class levels to cast that? We're gonna have to get uh, Jeremy Crawford in on here for a sage <laughs> advice. Uh, we should a, do one about multi-classing. That I is think a really we have idea. actually, okay, but okay. we should we should re-up it because okay. it's been uh, a good two or three years since we've we've talked oh, about yeah. it. Because there's so many of those corner case questions where it's like, yeah. if you're crossing the international date line right. and then you're fifth <laughs> level, then but then you turn sixth level, then, and, you know, there's so many things. And and honestly, that's a little bit of the reason why I don't choose to multi-class as often because, yeah. to, to your point, Morgan. You feel underpowered unless you're doing some weird combo thing, mm-hmm. which you get more power by doing that, but it feels gamey. It feels like you're trying to um, poke at the holes of the system, and that's that's not my power fantasy. Like mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like doing that. I like what you're talking about, being like, this is my archetype, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so that's that's the way you can kind of co- combat feeling underpowered in that way, uh, but I just I, I don't like the tra- that trade-off. But it's because it seems like there's powers like Barbarian where it's like if you go, and I've never played a Barbarian, so I am kind of talking out of my, you know, but um, (laughs) 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 if I play a Barbarian, Rage is an innate part of that class, right? right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So that's always that you take half damage? 
Uh, while you're raging. Is that how that works? While I'm raging. Right. So that if I'm fighting a really, so even if I take one level of barbarian, even if I'm fighting a really powerful enemy, I'm going to take half damage. Yes. So that is something that kind of levels up with me. Right. Yeah. As long as you take right. more levels in barbarian, right? But your uses of rage per day won't go up. Right. You get one per day, I think, at level one. Right. Or something like that. So it, it's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the hit then that I would only take. So if then if I wanted to do more rages per day, I would need to take additional levels of barbarian. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. One rage per day sounds kind of awesome. It sounds not pretty my, good. Yeah. And then, not that my character ever gets up and close to anything, so I'm not, not actually thinking about this. It's just sort of a curiosity yeah. that I was trying to explore a little bit. A lot of people pick, if they are a multi-classer and are okay with that, they'll pick barbarian for the first level for that reason, because you get a lot of good things at first level. You get totally. um, uh, uh, the ability to rage, you get a, uh, a higher hit die, so you're, you're up, oh, yeah. I think you get, it's a 12 for, yeah, for a barbarian. Be, so, yeah. so, you know, if you do barbarian and then wizard after that, you got this big leg up because you can wear, you know, you're, you, got, you got all the benefits uh, and you can dip in a little bit. But again, that, to me, that feels gamey, unless you have a good, really good story reason for it, of like, oh, I was at a barbarian, I was raised, uh, oh, in a culture yeah. that was like that, but then I've always, I, I, then my sorcerer magic came into me and I was shunned and thrown away from my, um, from my tribe, but I've been, you know, into this party and that's why, you know, so as long as you can come up with a really good story reason, I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. So are you going to multi-class Morgaine? Is that what you're trying to say? No. Because <laughs> well, I'm really not. Morgaine's strategy, which has worked for her so far, is to, uh, back up. <laughs> pew pew. Back up and pew pew. It's like the first thing. Yep. It's like the first thing I do is like I'm gonna move uh, thirty feet back. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm gonna shoot some arrows. Yeah. Because I I even took I think it was a feat. This was a long time ago now with the feat of um, taking no disadvantage at long range. Nice. Um, so that which actually has not come up in many many games. So I'm a little bit regretting my choice, but. Mm. It's fine. It'll come up again at some point. It'll be so useful. At some point, you're just going to be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I didn't. I took that fate. Because Mike's uh, yeah. uh, gym interlude is going to be all about sniping That's from right. long distances. That's right. Yeah. Yes. We'll see. Uh, I'm can excited. I ask you one more question? One more question. Of course. <laughs> Anything to keep talking um, to you, Morgan. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got five hours left. I mean, that, we talk, we're going to talk about multiclassing. And it was only like two minutes, so we got more. Um, okay. What do you think... I want to know about like which class do you think is going to be the best for beginner players and which, yeah, what's the best for beginner players? Like fighter probably? Fighter's really Barbarian. good. Fighter's really okay. good. Barbarian is a really good one too. Yeah. Um, uh, Ranger, you know, I think is, is also uh, a solid choice because it has a lot of really evocative archetypes for people. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, I'm going to be Legolas. And mm -hmm. I think people really latch onto that. Fighter, to me, is like a little too general for a lot of people. They're not really... Good for beginners, though. You know what it is, For right? sure. I know I fight. I'm a fighter, I fight. But the, 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 it puts a lot on the player to come up with the flavor. That's, right? that's fair, yeah. I think that um, I would avoid for beginner players, even though spellcasters are so much fun, it is a lot of work to play a spellcaster because you're at level one, maybe it doesn't matter so much, but once you hit like third level and you, you choose your school or whatever, and then you've got your spell list is just growing and growing and growing, especially a warlock with all those cantrips. Yeah. I think that uh, warlock and sorcerer wizard is probably a pretty good spellcast ability. Cleric is a nice hybrid for, for mm. anyone who, who wants to just, who wants to sword and shield and also do healies. Um, 
So I, I would, I would stay more melee. I, I would stay away from rogue. I think that rogue is uh, also kind of complex. Uh, what with sneak attack and things like that. It's all about tactical advantage um, uh, for rogue to really be good. Um, yeah. But I, I think bard is a, is a great first level. I love bard uh, yeah. class because. You're one of the most effective at first level, so you can always That's do true. something. Yeah, you can always uh, uh, can your cantrips are, are really powerful. They're really evocative. So if you if you get what a bard is and and, and how they use um, uh, their their magic to to convince and persuade people, um, that that can be really strong. Mm-hmm. Plus, you just you're, you're if 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 the player is attracted to role playing. At, at the table, I think Bard is a, is a really good, solid option. That's true, yeah. What about you, Morgan? What do you think? Um, I was just interested because I think I, normally I default to fighter, um, and I thought that maybe there was more to it than that because there are some people who want, who really want that, you know, fantasy experience, and mm. fighter might not actually give them what they're yeah. hoping for. That's true, yeah. So, um, I know Druid's sort of more complicated, but people do seem to like turning into animals. I so it's like Druid. that promise is, yeah. 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 I, it's, I, you don't get to wild shape until level three. But uh, it's, I know, that's yeah. killing my daughter who's eight and has been trying to like level up well, her Druid Well, you won't forever. level her up. No. She told me about this. She says, Daddy just will level not level her. Just level her just up. Will, level just level her up. up. <gasps> just put her at third level so she can choose her She's, circle. Eight, just give her the thing. <laughs> <laughs> just give it to her. <laughs> Every time I've, I've like I've hung out with your daughter twice now, and she's complained about this t- both times to me. So it's it's true. It's bothering her. I, well, I'm hoping that I was trying to get her like, oh, that means we'll do more sessions and and, and get and get growing that way. But you know, hey, that's on me. I as mean, well. on you. if you say she can turn into like wild shape. I yeah. feel like you're going to get more sessions in there. Stat. Yes, seriously. Good point. Yeah. Good point. All right. Okay. Wait. Do we have time for one more question? Or do you have to go? No, absolutely. Just one more. It's a, okay. You're you're the only limiting factor here, so we'll take up as much I mean, time I do with you have as we to can. Work at some point, but um, okay. So <laughs> start up. You can make your own rules. <laughs> I mean, sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like yes and no. It's like. I had a headache yesterday, so I was like, I'm just going to go home for an hour and get some sleep, which was amazing. Yeah, that's. But nice. then there's like the flip side of like. But then nobody else does the thing that mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so Unearth Arcana. Yeah. Where does that come from? Where does it fit in sort of canon universe? Sure. How much does it change? Well, yeah. uh, Unearth Arcana is our uh, playtest vehicle. Uh, uh, it is the way to get rules out in front of fans and let them play with it. And then uh, I think the, the best part about how it's being used in 5th edition is then receiving actionable feedback Tons. from fans. So uh-huh. it's all about the the surveys uh, that are done so that we can get, you know, real data that says, hey, this, this as much as we thought this design was, was going to hit, hit it out of the park, you know, 30% of the people said it was trash and 80% of them, I know math, math is good, 70% <laughs> of them were like, eh, it, it, it could do some work. And we're like, all right, well, then let's, let, that definitely is something that we can do with it. Um, it comes from, from the designers here in the building and uh, all that feedback feedback serves to um, make the content that'll be coming out in the future that much yeah. better. So, from an official like standpoint, Unearthed Arcana, they're not official parts of the rules because they are being play tested. Um, they are stuff that we desperately want people to play with and to integrate into their home campaigns and to give us feedback on, as Greg said. And a lot of the time, you'll notice when Unearthed Arcana comes out shortly thereafter. 
that will be published in an actual rules update. So those are the once it once it reaches that state where we publish it in like the vehicle rules we ended up using for Ghost of Saltmarsh, mm. and um, we've we've play tested several um, so interesting like subclasses and things. Um, and those those are often they will they will show up in books. Once they do that, then they're totally official. But as as for the Unearthed Arcana itself, think of it as like um like a half. You see before you this nebulous cloud of blue and gray energy, and within it you see perhaps some hazy rules that that look like they might be fun to play, but you're not totally sure you reach through and your hand kind of pushes through that mist, and yet you can still read it. That's that's kind of the canonical way to approach <laughs> on our Darkana. <laughs> or, or as a as a closed beta in yeah. a way. It, sure, I mean, yeah, it's a yeah, little yeah. bit open, but it is, it is on the level of, of video game development. It's more on that closed beta where you have these like you know. Uh, uh, dedicated fans who are giving you feedback that will shape how uh, the thing will be made in the future. Right. So one of the more games I play with my campaign here, um, she's just totally different. She's on an Unearthed Arcana that's probably super old now and doesn't even exist anymore. So what I, I really need to, um, and I don't, I don't love it, not because it's bad, but just because like I like a sort of more complicated play style and I think it, it's aimed to simplify things. This is like from probably a couple years ago even. Um, so I think I do need to go through and update um, my sort of offline character yeah. to newer, you know, something that maybe is a little more playtested and official and then also yeah. something that's a little more new and relevant and something that appeals to me. Fortunately, my DM's totally cool with stuff like that. That's good. Because um, he just wants you to have a good time and he likes learning the new rules and all the new lore too. So it's kind of fun for everybody. That's kind of DM. So there's obviously there's Xanathar's Guide to Everything has a ton of great new player options. And then in cool. Ravnica and Eberron are the, the mm -hmm. ones that we put out with good player content. So um, they're, both of those have sections in them that have awesome new options, especially if, if, you're, if you're still playing a ranger or whatever. Like we, we have lots of su new subclasses and stuff. And so your Unearthed Arcana that you've been playing with might have a more official version somewhere. Um, I don't know what you're yeah. playing on. But yeah. also, I mean, I, t I totally get the idea of, like, I want to update it to get it to be the most uh, uh, official version. Pat patch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, to I totally understand that that desire because I'm, I'm, I would be the same way. But I will say for everybody listening that stick with what your character is. Yeah. That's also totally okay. Like, it, even yeah. if it's from older material, it's basically uh, a homebrew of what's happening at your table and... You know, so many people bring in stuff that they've personally designed that is okay with their DM, or the DM has designed something, and that is just as valid as playing with the stuff that is, you know, quote unquote official as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was looking at. Uh, I'm not gonna remember the name of it because I'm sitting here. Uh, it's like um, it's like a planes plane walker ranger. Hori I don't Horizon know. Walker. Ooh. Horizon Walker. Yeah, cool. that's. In, I don't know that's if that's in, that's in Xanathar's. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that one was kind of looked kind of interesting to me. That yeah, one's very cool. because I want Misty Step. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> solve so many I'm problems. Just a girl who wants Misty Step is that so wrong? It's like the third time you've mentioned it, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> someone's. You're, I you're, love like it. You're thirsty well, okay, for Misty. I am because first of all, it sounds fantastic. It does, and it is fantastic. It is. <laughs> um, Cool. Yes. All right, cool. so we're gonna look for your Misty Step character, uh, yeah. Pax East. <laughs> it's gonna, it, or you know, be able to use it. No, no, um, no. This is my. I'm, I try to keep it consistent game. for Pax because it's like, oh, people care and know, but they probably don't actually know what's on my character sheet, and it doesn't <laughs> matter, honestly, because everything is shenanigans anyway. And if you walked in and we were like, "Hi, 
I'm a Horizon Walker Ranger now. Okay, let's go. Like you could, everybody hundred, would be like, they, everyone would be like, yay, Horizon Walker. And the DM would be like, oh, cool. I don't have to deal with your animals anymore. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just have to deal with interplanar versions of those animals. <laughs> That's, right. That's not more complicated at all. <laughs> Uh, but I just want to make sure everyone knows, uh, Saturday, February 29th, oh, in celebration of Chris Perkins' leap year birthday, <gasps> uh, at 8 p.m. is Yay. when uh, the PAX East Acquisitions Incorporated Jim Turlude Yay. will be happening. Uh, Morgan will be there, and everyone make sure we see the debut of Horizon Walker I'm there. So, yeah, it's totally going to happen, 100%. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Confirmed. I, mean, I, I am thinking about it a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe that would be awesome, actually. <laughs> Especially as Clone Morgane. Maybe Clone Morgane's a totally different... Oh. Since it's a I gym thriller, why not? Yeah, I, I feel like... We, I mean, yeah, it's not even really... I'll, I'll think about it. I'll see what Elisa okay. says. Okay. All right. Everyone All right. keeps talking about this, like, mythical person. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Uh, Morgan, I know there's, uh, you know, tens of thousands of people following you all over the world, but where can people... If millions. They, if they millions. have not... Millions. Triple millions. Millions of people. <laughs> Billions. Uh, but in case we're, you know, someone's listening who doesn't yet follow you, uh, where can they find out more about you and what you're doing? Uh, probably the best place is Morgan, at Morgan Webb on Twitter. Um, just my name, M-R-G-A-N-W-E-B-B. And then also you can go to bonfirestudios.com and learn about the studio and some of the stuff we're doing and all that good stuff. And all the social postings you're doing there. Yeah. yeah. I cannot wait we're to see We're kind of running a little quiet, so it's not like a ton of stuff, but... I can't wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be so exciting, Morgan. I can't wait to hear more about it. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's been a huge and wonderful thing in my life. Yay! I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. I am and I think Kate, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I would love to be your uh, personal question answerer about Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) forever. As much as I possibly can answer, I will have be so happy to. I have so many questions. And what's fun about it is that no matter how much you know there's always so much other stuff to learn mm-hmm. and it's you know it's not it's not one thing it's like it can kind of be whatever you want it to be which totally. is what's really fun about it agreed agreed that's dnd awesome yeah thank you so, so much and uh, i'll look forward to watching uh, horizon walker more game <laughs> i really really want that horizon I know, walker right? more I game i feel like if i just say it enough times it's like uh, it's like the secret if you just put it, out, just in put world, it out in the world it's going to happen I mean, it is kind of working. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Just call her Misty Step Morgan, and oh, you've kind of got a there deal. There you go. The best. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, Morgan. Thanks, Morgan. Bye. Bye. Bye, Betty. I had so much fun talking to Morgan. I love her. That was amazing. She's truly... Truly awesome. Uh, truly outrageous. Outrageous. She's outrageously. She's gem. She, she is, is gem. At one she of the holograms. Gem. She is a gem. I admire <laughs> her so much. She's such a baller. Uh, I'm so excited. I have no idea, honest to God, what Bonfire is doing um, as far as making the game. Uh, she has been very, very hush hush about it, and mm. for some reason, that just makes me more excited. Right. I, I love that. It works because you have there's so many talented people uh, working on it. She's got quite like, a squad. What's it gonna What's it gonna yeah. be? Right. That anticipation yeah. is very huge. It reminds me of I was really excited when um, Kempo Santo yeah. got together, and I feel that same kind of energy. Maybe it's because their studio is named Bonfire, and so it makes me <laughs> makes me think of Firewatch. But anyway, it's it's just. I, it I seems thought like a I, super I made squad. the same connection in my head. I was yeah, like, are they? They're yeah. not the ones who made that. No, but this no, is a new. Kempo, Kempo, Kempo Santo. Valve bought them. They're actually all up here now. Or a bunch all, of them are. 
are. All up in here. Yeah, all up in this Seattle. They're business. just as sound, sad as we are with the uh, with this weather effectiveness. I know. Um, but that that similar vibe of getting you know these the studio veterans together, or, or you know, is is uh, similar to what's going on with Dark Alliance. You know, getting all those uh, talent in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that game. And didn't we just announce? I, th- I saw this on Polygon yesterday. You did. Uh, we just announced that James Olin's studio in Austin is making a sci-fi IP for Wizards of the Coast. Yes. Which is a, a piece of knowledge that I've been sitting on for a while that I'm very excited about. <sighs> but we've gotten to see in the, our big company all-hands meeting last month, we got to see some stuff oh out of, coming out of that. And oh my gosh. I like. I turned to some friends of mine. I was like, "How do I work on this game?" Yeah, it looks so cool. I I'm have really, the exact really same excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is very interesting. And of James Olin, if you don't know uh, that name, I already talked about his perhaps best known property: uh, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic well, MMO, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Whoa. Gate Two, uh, Old Republic. Uh, sorry, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, he did. He was a Bioware for ages. Yes. Dragon Age Origins. Yes. Um, he worked on so many uh, RPG. I don't. I don't even know. Touchstones, icons, whatever you want to call them. Some of the best RPGs of all time. He was the lead designer on and, and Knights of the Old Republic and a big D and D fan, huge D and D fan. When yeah, he yeah. when he was uh, uh, coming to visit here, he just was hanging around uh, the the designers and just wanted, and showing off the, the the things that he did that he published on Dungeon Masters Guild that were like set in Baldur's Gate and Adorable. things like that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, he's just he's 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 very relatable yeah. to uh, everybody out there, and I can't wait to see uh, or show everybody what he's been working on. Did he work on Mass Effect? I think he did. I don't believe so. I, okay. think, I think the colleague from Bioware that he just brought on was on oh, Mass Effect. Uh, okay. But I, right. could, I could be wrong there. Um, so yeah, Archetype Studios, there's not much. It's similar to Bonfire Studios in that there's not much uh, to, to say publicly about it right now, but we yeah. are very excited about that. Uh, and then, of course, uh, our friends at Larian are busy making Baldur's Gate 3. I know. Uh, and, uh, and, and we've got some news coming from them very soon that we're really excited about as well. So yeah, whole bunch of D&D digital things happening uh, in context of uh, this interview. It makes perfect sense to, to tout that. When will we hear more about Baldur's Gate 3? I'm going to do the old soon. 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 When it's ready. When it's ready yeah. to be told. Yes, uh, okay. But I think everybody's going to be extremely excited. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a news drop, not like uh, anything else. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. No. I Gregory. Mean, that's perhaps overselling it. But it's, it is going to be, uh, 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 I think everybody is, uh, when they find out, going to be excited. All right. I'm I've ready. I've seen some things. I'm ready. I've seen some things. I've seen some things. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Kate, thank you so much for uh, filling in Anytime. for Shelley. You are a uh, uh, you're the gem in, in, <gasps> in my truly outrageous in my truly outrageous world. Thank you. I've I've always thought of myself as more of a misfit because mm. our songs are better. Ooh, that's that's yeah. that's accurate. Yeah, very accurate. <laughs> Uh, what Thank about you. the Thank neutrinos you. from uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? The neutrinos, sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been more attracted to the villains of things. Anyway, I'm I am just like what we talked about with Morgan. I am 100 percent Paragon all the time. I have to do the right thing, but I I just like the villain aesthetic is mm. extremely attractive to me. So I like that's why I always like the Misfits. Their songs are better. Their outfits are better. I'm just saying. I'm just stating facts here. People. My younger daughter uh, also same. Fiona is she and a I, villain lady. She and I, I could tell right away. Yeah, you she's guys so connected. Special. She's a real, she's a oh real special God. lady. You have you have such wonderful children. I adore them. Anyway, I'm so happy to be on Dragon Plus. Anytime you need us, a, a substitute Shelly, uh, you know you know you can always count on me. Excellent, I love it. 
You can count on me. Ooh, nice. Uh, I've been doing this crazy thing as well. First of all, let's do uh, social stuff. So, uh, where can people find out? You're on Instagram mostly right yeah, now. Yeah, right? these days I, I quit Twitter for at least a little while, um, and I've been four months clean now. So, <laughs> I'm. Uh, do you have your your coin? Your yeah, button? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get Twitter anonymous. Um, <laughs> I I am on Instagram at Katewell Cha 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 with four H's at the end. What about you? I am at Greg Tito on Twitter. Uh, I was going to say this uh, during our thing with with. Morgan, but we're three of us actually using our real names on our social media, which is, which is rare. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially since, I, you know, she's been on longer than I have, I'm sure, but, you know, the, the longevity there matters. It, it does, and it, it's uh, it's something that I, I had to do a lot of thinking about when I changed it to my real name, too, because um, I was She Geek Show for a long time. Mm, oh, yes, I remember, I remember those Remember old, old She Geek Show stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that that was, it's it just feels more professional to have my real name. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, so then I'm on Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, talking about my kids. There's a lot more pictures of oh them gosh. on that if you want to check out all of the fun stuff they're doing. They're precious. I am wanting to tell you about Dungeons & Dragons because this is the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. It is. You can find out everything you need to know about what's coming up for Dungeons & Dragons on the Dragon Plus app if you have not yet downloaded it onto your phone, uh, you should do so right now. It's free. Everything on there is amazing. Bart Carroll and uh, Matt Chapman do a fantastic job putting together all the content on there. In fact, I am pitching to do some fiction uh, on <gasps> it. Uh, I haven't done it in a while, and I wanted to get back into really? it. Really? Uh, and so uh, I'm using that as a deadline to make me do it. What a good idea. I, I know, can't wait right? to read your fiction. I know. How cool. Yeah, and you should too. I, I think, should. Yeah. I should. I've got a lot of stories bouncing around in there. Exactly. And I, and I need to get them out. Yep, get them too. out somewhere. Me too. Um, so that's going to be really fun, and you should download it. And if you don't have a phone or want to access the content on the web, you can do so at dragonmag.com. They're real building a lot of the old issues because uh, they up updated their hardware a little bit. So there is a wealth of knowledge on there, but it'll more and more will come available online very soon. Cool. Yeah. Um, also, I, I, we mentioned them before, but Explorer's uh, Guide to Wild Mount coming out March 17th. Woohoo! Explorers, uh, Laryl Silverhand's Explorer's Kit also on March 17th and Monster Madness February 28th. Cool. Look for all those uh, coming soon and we'll be announcing even more fun stuff in February and March leading up to D&D Live. Very cool. I can't wait. It's this is also exciting. So what I've been doing with Shelly, I think we've only done it once or twice, but doing like a little mini uh, a D&D thing. Really? Uh, yeah. So okay. uh, you are in a uh, tavern. We're, well, we'll say you're in the Yawning Portal. Excellent. And Dernan says, uh, what? what are you supposed to be doing here? Why? Are you, uh, the Harpers are, said that you shouldn't be here. I totally disagree. I'm allowed to drink here just like anybody else. Oh, well. Damn the Harpers. If you do, you're going to have to talk to Mert. Mert? Yeah, and Mart, Mert? Mert comes walking up to you and says, Oh, boy. What did I tell you? Never come in here again. Listen, I told you that I was going to have your money, and I will. I'm going to have your money. Um, it's just taking me a little longer than I thought it was going to. Roll a die to see if it's, are you deceiving or are you persuading? I'm deceiving. Okay. I do not have any money. I uh, got a nine. You got a nine. Okay. Mert says, uh, I don't I don't believe you. Jernan, get her out of here. Oh, no. And All right. And you get thrown out of the yawning I portal. Got thrown out of the yawning portal. And that's it. That's wow. Yay. Yay. You're such a good dungeon master. We're going to happen. What happens next? I don't know. We'll I don't see. Know. I don't next know. time you're on, we'll, we'll continue find out. that storyline. <gasps> okay. Okay. Cool. Right. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye.